we are starting a new sermon series uh, this morning. It's going to be a quick sermon series, just a few weeks. It's going to be studying the book of Luke and chapter 10 of uh, the Gospel of Luke. I'm joining alongside a couple of other uh, preaching friends. One of them you know, he's come and preached uh, for me recently and another time before that, Luke Proctor. And Luke and I were talking about uh, some sermon series ideas and 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 he presented uh, this sermon series, and I said, I, it, when he, once he shared it, I realized it's something that we really need, and I'm excited to join alongside with him, as well as my friend Steve Higgs, who serves at the Northwest Christian Church in Decatur, Illinois, and so he's a, he's a great guy, and so the three of us are uh, encouraging one another along and, and uh, encouraging our congregations. Uh, the name of the sermon series is Art, the Art of Neighboring. Uh, and the whole premise of it we'll kind of cover this morning within the message. Uh, if you please join with me in praying first. Heavenly Father, we thank you that today we can be together as one. Thank you for time together to celebrate you and set our hearts and our minds and our focus on you, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. We thank you for how you love us and care for us. Help us, Lord, as, as one church to be at a church that loves and cares for our neighbors. Help this sermon series be uh, something that's glorifying to you and, and good for your church and the people within it. Lord, we pray that many would come and follow and believe in Jesus because of love, uh, because of your love for them. And may they see that through us and our love for one another, our love for you and our love for neighbor. And we thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a study uh, that shows that you can eat really healthy. You can eat all the broccoli and all those things that you're supposed to eat. And if you're alone, uh, your susceptibility to dying is much worse than those who eat poorly but have a lot of friends. And so how that works out is, is that you're better to eat Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. And I think that there's truer things that have never been said, right? You know, uh, but friendship, uh, being with others is so important to us. It is vital to our life that we would have people in our lives. And when I reflect on the last, you know, year and the, all of the things going on, sort of self-quarantining and all of the things that have promoted uh, promoted a sort of epidemic of loneliness, that there is this deep and sincere uh, struggle that is going on uh, with all of us, that there are these very real issues of being lonely, of feeling like we're not connected. We have more technology and more connection pieces than we ever could have imagined, but we also feel the deepest sense of loneliness that we've ever had. And as I think about just my own personal feelings of loneliness, I'm an extrovert, and I realize that, you know, that's problematic for everybody else, you know, because I have to be with you and I have to talk to you about stuff. But uh, and that even introverts are openly admitting that they might actually need people in their life. Wendy confessed this the other day. She's an introvert. I'm the extrovert, in case you haven't all figured that out. Um, but there is this very real struggle for all of us to connect, to, to be together to uh, build in relationships. And we've reached the point, and I was talking to uh, Lindsay this week, and she said, well, I'm going to have to go into the office. Zoom calls aren't going to cover it this week. 
the Zoom calls, you know, they've worked for a season, but it's come to the point where people need to connect and be together. And so as I thought about this and what's going on uh, just culturally, what's even going on within ourselves, I feel this very deep sense that what we need is we need to have connection. We need relationships. We need to uh, sort of branch out, not even, uh, we need to branch out together uh, with one another, but we also need to branch out beyond ourselves and, and connect with our neighborhood and the people in our community. One of these things that I've been reflecting on is I think that it's going to be a hard time getting people to come to a church gathering. The church gathering is going to have to go to the community. Uh, that there is going to be a deep hesitation to gather as we have gathered that people are hesitant for all sorts of reasons. And so we need to, uh, we need to think outside of the box and just kind of be in, in encouragement. And so this sermon series is really just asking you to think outside of yourself and connect with your neighbors, and I'm going to give you some resources and things to do that. In our loneliness sort of epidemic and things going on in our culture, I have a, you know, this sort of underlying question that, that is just, does God speak towards loving our neighbors? Does God speak towards how we can bridge and help and connect other people together? Does God have a, a story for us that can really guide us as a church? And the answer is an emphatic yes. It's a familiar story. It's one that you've probably read as in Sunday school as a small child. It's a story that you remember because Jesus was a master storyteller. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. Before, at the very beginning of Luke chapter 10, it's Jesus calling, uh, Jesus calling his disciples to pray for the harvest, that there would be workers of the harvest. And then he sends out his disciples to go and be the witnesses of the kingdom of God. And I think that Jesus is still asking us to pray for workers in the harvest field, but to also still go out and to minister to our community. And so... This morning, if you'd please follow along with me, we're going to read Luke chapter 10, and I just want to draw, uh, just to draw your attention to one really important thing that happens in the story. So in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. What I want to draw your attention to today is what the, what the Levite and the experts in the law and these sort of the priests, what their reaction was to the man who's beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. When they came upon him and they saw him, it says that they passed by on the other side. That they passed by on the other side. When I think about culture, when I think about everything that sort of is going on in the world, uh, we're really about dividing, right? Let's separate people as much as possible. Let's classify them, let's, you know, and then uh, it seems like classify, separate, and judge then, judge the other side. And so I don't know how we want to divide the sanctuary this morning, but, you know, we know the divisiveness that is permeating our culture, whether it's, uh, whether it's Democrat or Republican, whether it's, uh, you know, if you're cheering for the mighty Detroit Lions or, you know, some team out of Chicago, uh, whether you're a Purdue fan or an IU fan or if you're a fan of that Notre Dame team or, you know, MSU or U of M if you love God, um, you know, however we just sort of divide ourselves, it seems like the divisiveness is only sort of ramped up, and now there's mask and not mask, and vaccinated and not vaccinated, or if there's, you know, I could keep going, and maybe we should all raise hands and argue about it, right? That would serve very little purpose for us this morning, but what I see happening in the story is something that I see happening in our culture, and that is that there are those who feel themselves perhaps superior, perhaps better, perhaps they were thinking about their own cleanliness and their own holiness, not to intermix with the Samaritan. How they would have known all of that, I don't know. But Jesus tells this story, and what they end up doing is what our culture always ends up doing, and that is that they pass by on the other side. They allow the gap to remain and sort of absolve themselves of sort of the responsibility. Loving their neighbor sort of drops off if they pass by on the other side. And so if we keep creating gaps, if we cre- keep creating this sort of isolation and separation, then no one ever has to be my neighbor. Does that make sense? And so what happens, it, perhaps in the religious realm, there's the priest and the Levite, these religious figures, they, perhaps, their religion actually ended up separating them from being the loving people they were called to be. And unfortunately, as the church, we've heard a lot of sermons about being called out from the world, that sometimes in all of the calling us out from the world and being a part of the world, we forget that we're supposed to be loving the world. And so it's this challenge, I think, in this text, is this reminder that the one who was the neighbor was the one who drew near and showed mercy. And so the, this expert in the law that comes to Jesus and he says, you know, what, what is it that I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you tell me. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, yeah, you got it. And then at the very end of the message, at the very end of Jesus' lesson, what does he tell him? 
He says, well, the neighbor is the Samaritan guy, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. I'm going to ask you a very simple question this morning. Do you think Jesus was serious? I think he was. I think he expects that this guy would go and show mercy and draw near to those who need it. That this expert of the law who perhaps fully understood and fully appreciated what the priest and the Levite were doing by separating themselves from the man and passing by on the other side, that he fully understood just exactly what Jesus was talking about. Why spend time with the Samaritan? Why spend time with the one that could um, perhaps compromise his holiness? Yeah, Jesus is saying it's the Samaritan who draws near. I read a book, and I forget the name of the guy, but he challenges, uh, challenges a lot of things that you sort of assume about the parable. And one of the things is... Uh, when we read the story, like my default thinking is the person in the story that is most like Jesus is probably the Samaritan, right? Like when you read through it, the person who's most like Jesus is the good Samaritan, the one that cares for the guy in the ditch. As you think about it, is it perhaps that actually Jesus is the guy that's beaten up and in the ditch? That Jesus is the one that will be left for dead? That Jesus is the one that perhaps might be the guy that is most like the one and that most like the guy in the ditch? Nobody's giving me an aha, like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Maybe you're looking at me like, yeah, I've always thought that, and Jordan, you're the dummy. But uh, it was surprising to me. I never really thought about the guy being in the ditch, the beaten up one, that he was the most like Jesus. Because Jesus will be left for dead. Jesus will be the one who's crucified. Jesus will be the one who takes on suffering and pain. And it's the religious ones who condemn him and pass by on the other side. It's the religious ones who don't have anything to do with him. And if that's the story, if that's how we would read it, then there's actually some implications. That by passing by on the other side, they've failed to draw near to the one who can actually save them. That by not passing by on sort of Jesus' side, on the side of the suffering and the lonely and the hurting, that they've distanced themselves from the very one who can save them and deliver them. And when I implicate that on my own self, I think about my own unwillingness to associate myself with the broken and the hurting. So when I read the Good Samaritan story, when I read the story of this man who drew near to the broken and the hurting and gave sacrificially, I find myself compelled to go and do likewise. don't Don't let my religious practices keep me from ministering and drawing near to those who are hurting and suffering because when I draw near to those who are hurting, I draw myself closer to Jesus. When you are with the suffering, you are drawing nearer to the suffering Lord and Savior. And so I want to be near. I want to care for. I want to be of help and encouragement to people who are suffering and hurting. So that's a lot of like lecture and it feels like, you know, beating you up. And I don't want it to feel that way. I want to give you a simple practical thing to move forward and saying, Let's fully admit that there is brokenness and hurting that's happening in our community and in our neighborhood. 
And so then, if you have any inkling of conviction of saying, yeah, I want to draw near to my neighbor, but I don't know how, I have two steps for you. We've got three weeks, and I just want to encourage you and nudge you in this direction, and if we would do it all together, I think we'd see a great thing happen for our community. Uh, the first thing is, is let's pray. Let's pray for our neighbors. And uh, I have a question for you. Uh, if I say pray for your neighbors, can you name all of your neighbors? Some of you live out in the country and you have two neighbors. And that's easy for you. Uh, others maybe are in the, you know, in the city of Bourbon, you know, and it's a little more difficult. Uh, the first step of the challenge is really just to pray for your neighbors by name. And here is... Uh, who is my neighbor? It is a magnet. It's going to go on your fridge, okay? I spent, you know, 50 cents for y'all to have magnets, okay? And your house is in the middle. It's your neighborhood grid. And you are, I'm encouraging you to sort of fill out your, uh, your bracket and put together your bingo sheet of your neighborhood. And the purpose of this is, one, just to make, you know, nudge you in the direction of getting to know your neighbors, and then we will talk more about next sort of steps that you can do with that. But really, it's just starting this way. There's, the world is increasingly more transient. You have new neighbors all the time, and people are coming and going. And I just want to encourage you to write down the names, take the magnet, put it on your fridge, and then every time you're going for um, the broccoli, you're reminded it's better to be with people than eat broccoli. Um, and that you would be in prayer for your neighbors. So I have a whole box full of them. I'll have them in the vestibule. And it's a practical, simple step. And realize that maybe it's like this is trivial, but it's a, a challenge and an accountability. Just to say, you know, am I praying for my neighbors? And then we'll talk about next steps. We're going to talk about the things that sort of get in the way, uh, time and fear. We're going to talk about a couple of those things over the next couple of weeks, but it's really just starting here. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Draw near, love and mercy. Bring mercy and kindness and grace across the street. Let's stop passing by on the other side, on the other side of the road, on the other side of the fence. We may be, there, the division between you and your neighbor may be much more than the alley. It might be politically, it might be your interest, it might be any number of things. But the cross of Christ bridges that gap. Every single person has a need for Jesus Christ as Lord and King. We believe that. God died for your neighbor. We want them to know that Jesus loves them. And so this is just an encouragement to take the church to your neighborhood. Fill out your neighborhood. For some of you, there might be a couple of miles between there and others, not so much. But are you with me on this thing? If I have a whole bunch of magnets left over, I'm going to be ticked, okay? So take them all. And uh, maybe I give them to another church and say, you know, this is what we're doing. And maybe this will help you reach your neighborhood. So it's a simple thing. Fill it out and pray for them, and we'll keep talking about the next steps after that. So that's your challenge this week. Take a magnet, fill it out. Let's love our neighbors well. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for today. And we realize that it's so easy for us to hide out and avoid issues and avoid the neighborhood and avoid problems and just remove ourselves and, I suppose, cover our ears to the cries and close our eyes to the hurting. So, Lord, help us to not pass by on the other side, but to draw near, to be close with our neighbors so that they can be close to you. And, Lord, help, help us and remind us that as we draw near to those who are hurting, that we're also drawing near to you, that you are with the hurting, that you are with the suffering. God, we thank you for Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, for the harvest, that there would be workers that there would be those who would answer the call to bear witness and testimony of Jesus in your kingdom. We thank you for your love for us each day, and we thank you that you are a God who drew near to us in our loneliness, in our hurt, in our suffering. You drew near to us despite our sin, despite our failures, despite our hard-heartedness. You loved us, and you came near to us. And so, Lord, we respond to you with gratitude, and we thank you for your grace. That through the death of Jesus, there is also the resurrection. And we share in that death and resurrection in your son Jesus. So Lord, we want the new life to be lived well here on earth. We want for others to live this new life as well. Help us to share the love of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.